Without much ado, let's welcome our very good friend, Pastor Steve. Welcome, yeah. sir. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Bless you. Thank Bless you so, you. so much. Thank you. You can, I'll remove this for you. Thank so you. That you can place it. Well, it's, a, it's an absolute delight to be here with you today. Uh, I know there's been some date changes, playing with COVID, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And uh, I, I think everybody's done so well in adapting to a very, very crazy pandemic season that we've been going through. Uh, and uh, Reverend George, it's so good to have met you. Um, and just being with the church family here for a few moments this morning, meeting people for the first time, uh, really appreciate the warmth, even behind the masks. Uh, there, there seem to be kind of people just anticipating and grateful and and uh, yeah, not everywhere I go are people expectant and warm. And so I just want to say it's great to be with you. Appreciate what God is doing in this uh, church family. Uh, I don't know you very well, but the, the little I've experienced in the uh, hour or so that I've been around here, and obviously having met uh, your pastor beforehand as well, just uh, gives me an excitement of what God wants to do through you. And so I'm, I'm commending you, just so that I've, I've already enjoyed just being in uh, your presence. And, and also the, the desire for God, the desire for His presence, for Him to come. Um, I, I think that's, that's rich, and it's an, it's an invitation. It's kind of the, the first step, second step towards seeing God. Uh, as we, he takes a step towards us, we take a step towards him, and he, it's, it's like this love journey of our hearts being awakened. And so sensing that in your atmosphere is also uh, uh, really exciting for me. Just a little bit about me. This is, um, so I've got about 30 minutes to talk to you, so I'm going to keep this, this part brief. Um, from a Sikh background, Punjabi Sikh background, born and raised uh, in Wolverhampton. But just as a baby, my parents committed their lives to Christ. And uh, I won't go into the whole story of that, but I was five weeks old. Somebody knocked the door. Um, and within an hour, my parents had committed their lives to Christ. And so I've had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home my whole life. And started, I got saved myself, gave my life to Christ when I was five years old. I got filled with the Holy Spirit at eight years old, even though the church we attended at the time didn't really believe in that. I think God just bypasses and does what he wants to do anyway. And uh, I, I think at 11 years old, started to experience something of uh, a, a greater desire and depth for the Lord and, and, and experiencing some prophetic words and call to ministry at 11 at 13 years old, started to speak and preach in small youth meetings and things. And uh, yeah, the rest is really history. The church where I am now, I've been uh, there in that church since 1992. I feel like an old man saying that. Uh, started as a youth pastor and then different parts of the journey. But in 2001, uh, became the senior leader of the church. And so for, we just celebrated 20-year anniversary as the senior pastors of all nations. So it's been a great, great journey. Not an easy journey, uh, but as anybody would know, in, in church life, in ministry, uh, there are challenges, there are things that we've got to work through. Uh, but I, uh, I'm really grateful for the journey that we have been on over that season. So uh, married to Esther, we've been married. Uh, next anniversary will be 25 years. 
We've got four children. The oldest one is married. And uh, yeah, I do find, I find myself thinking I'm old now, <laughs> saying all of these things. But, but I look young, or at least they tell me I do. I don't know whether somebody's paying them to tell me that. Um, yeah, family's really important to us. Esther and I lead together. Our, uh, all our children, by God's grace, uh, are walking with Jesus and involved in various aspects. As I see your kids are with you here today, I don't know whether this is discipline for you, like you have to be there, or whether you, whether you love Jesus and you want to be here, but really good to see the, the children involved uh, here as well. I think that's, that's something beautiful that God is doing. Um, I, I'm going to say this very quickly. I want to get into the Word. If you're interested in leadership training, this, is, this fly is out there. And, and this Wednesday, we have a free taster evening. It's online. The whole course, the college, runs online. It's the All Nations Leadership College. And uh, please kind of explore that. You don't have to move to Wolverhampton. It's only one Wednesday night a week uh, for a year and uh, one Saturday morning a month. Uh, but our desire is to raise up true disciples of Christ that walk in the supernatural power of God. So if you want to explore that, you can. I've got four books with me back there. Please do have a look at those. And um, Burning Ones, Igniting and Fueling a Passion for Jesus. Rouse the Warriors. It's about living on the advance and how to have a strong inner man. Uh, One Life is all about discovering your purpose. And then um, there's a devotional there called Highly Flammable, 40 Days of devotion to help set your heart on fire. So, Father, uh, take all of that, and I, 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 we just give you this next few minutes as we come around your word. And I pray that you would ignite something within people today, within this congregation today. Thank you for the desire of this people to want to be a praying people, to want to be a revival-hungry people. Thank you for the, the, the embryonic desires for a, a move of God that you've put in all of our hearts. But we thank you for the theme, the desire, the awakening that's already here. And I come and just add my bit to what you're already doing here. And I pray somehow in your providence that you would work your greater purposes. I thank you that you're calling this church to be like a doorway, uh, an open gateway of what you want to achieve in this area. And in, in the, in the, in the uh, place of Kent, not just in Swanley. And so, Father, I pray that the, the church here would realize something of their divine destiny, of being a gateway for the presence, a gateway for a move of God. I thank you that that's in their hearts already, and I pray that you would accomplish what you want to do. And I thank you, it's not just this church, I thank you that you're working in churches in Swanley. And I thank you for the unity that's there, and the sense of um, togetherness for what God wants to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this, this first session is about the promise of revival. Uh, one of the challenges today is the subject of revival, the subject of God moving, God visiting, uh, the steps to that, the hindrances to it, how he stirs individuals. It's such a, a broad and big subject, and uh, we, we have limited time over a weekend, so my, I, I think what the Lord will do is, is give us nuggets of wisdom, awaken our hearts at the same time, that's how the Holy Spirit normally works, a revelation of truth an awakening in the heart, and they serve as invitations. 
It's, it's like the Lord does that. Our hearts feel awakened. We feel a revelation of truth. But it's actually an invitation to go deeper. And, and the invitation goes and extends beyond a weekend. If we thought that in one weekend we will accomplish the purpose of revival and have it sorted, we are mistaken. What, what the Lord really wants to do with this today, and for those who will be here tomorrow morning, for those watching online, is He is extending His hand out. He's going to give us revelation of what He has done in history. He's going to help us understand what He wants biblically. He's going to give us some wisdom about what that means for our lives. And I believe we'll feel it in terms of the awakening of the Spirit within us as we hear the Word. But it really is an invitation to the life that's changed beyond today, beyond tomorrow. Um, it, it, the Lord is beautiful in the way that He whets our appetite or salts our lips so that there is a thirst for Him that begins to awaken. And, and I'll say this up front, on the other end of that, two days together here, some people will think that was wonderful, thank you for the conference, and then they will go on with life as they knew it before. Others, my prayer will be that this would be many of us will say, you know, that was an invitation from the Lord. I received revelation from Scripture. I felt my heart touched by the Spirit. I realized things in the Scriptures that perhaps I hadn't seen before, or I had seen them, but they were brought to me with freshness by the Holy Spirit. And I want something to change after today. And my prayer would be that that would be our heart. There's a big shift going on in the world at the moment. In the West, we have been primarily knowledge acquisition disciples. We want to acquire knowledge. Give me another word. Give me more revelation. And the more revelation we can have and bring another fresh word. And then over lunch, we discuss the word. But from Sunday to Sunday, very little changes in most people's lives. So what we do is we acquire knowledge. We acquire revelation. And there is a shift happening from knowledge acquisition to radical obedience. So we are moving from just trying to acquire knowledge into a place of saying, Lord, we want there to be radical obedience. I don't need more and more knowledge. I have enough knowledge. How do I put that knowledge into practice? And the places in the world right now where the church is growing exponentially and where there is multiplying of churches, and there are the miraculous visitations of God into communities, what we might call revival. North Africa, the Middle East, into China. They are places where they, they have placed high emphasis on radical obedience to what the Lord shows them. And I'm praying that in our Western church, we would understand that what the Father wants isn't just that we acquire more knowledge. Knowledge is important, but it, 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 the Great Commission was go teach all nations to obey. They're taught to obey, not taught to, now I know. And so my, my prayer really is that we would, uh, right on the get-go, have a heart that says, I'm going to obey what I hear. I'm going to take what the Lord is saying. And it's not going to be rocket science. If we're looking at the subject of revival, we're going to talk about prayer. It's going to come up over the, today, tomorrow, uh, seeking the Lord. 
I love the, the fact that that's part of your theme. It's time to seek the Lord. Very easy to have those revelations without having the obedience to them. So I pray that you would know that that's going to be critical to the future fruitfulness of our lives and the future fruitful flourishing of the church here. And so um, I want to paint a picture. So if we're looking at the promise of revival, critical to that is our understanding of what revival is. If I was in America and I spoke about revival, they use the term revival as a series of meetings. So in America for 40, 50 years now, they will, somebody could advertise, we have a revival on July 9th until July 13th. And what they really mean by that, it's going to be nightly meetings for four or five days. That is not what we mean by revival. Uh, some others would think revival is where there's, a, there's an extraordinary sense of God's presence and uh, for a week or two or three or four or a month, they go into meetings and there's a heightened sense of God's presence. And then it fades. That's a, that's a beautiful renewal or visitation, but it's not revival. We've experienced those moments ourselves where, uh, I think it was in 2018 and 19, for a period of three months, one, one was a three-month period, the other was about a six-week period, we would come into the building, and it was just like the, there's a heaviness of God's presence in the room the moment we would start. And sometimes the worship team couldn't do anything, we couldn't get to our sermons, and I was like, what is going on? And the Lord would, and people would be coming and just, and, and, and laying prostrate before the altar. Some, I mean, some of our elderly people that were very much in pain would just make their way to the front, fall prostrate, and begin weeping before the Lord. It wasn't revival, but it was a precursor, an invitation, a whetting of the appetite, but it was also a sorting out of hearts that the Lord was doing. We started to experience something, but I, wasn't, I knew that there was something starting and beginning, but I knew this isn't the, the if I was going to define revival, I wouldn't define it by that. So what is revival? And then I'll give you the promise of revival after that. Uh, I'm going to read you some accounts of revival which help paint a picture of what we mean by revival. And these first three are taken out of Oswald J. Smith's book, Old Classic, the revival we need. So you, you, could, you could read that. It's a, it's a great, great book. I read it as a, as a teenager, and it deeply impacted me. Here's what it says in the beginning chapters of that book. It was 1904. All Wales was aflame. The nation had drifted far from God. The spiritual conditions were low indeed. Church attendance was poor, and sin abounded on every side. Doesn't sound too different from today here for us. Yes, conditions are low, people have drifted from God, uh, sin abounded on every side. You could add to that for us, we call what is wrong right, and if you call it wrong, then you're a bigot or you're narrow-minded. Our world seems like it's gone upside down crazy at the moment. And then it says, suddenly like an unexpected tornado, the Spirit of God swept over the land, the churches were crowded multitudes were unable to even get into the buildings. It gives you a description of what those meetings were like. Nothing had ever come over Wales with such far-reaching results. Infidels were converted. 
drunkards, thieves, and gamblers saved. Thousands reclaimed to respectability. Confessions of awful sins were heard on every side. Old debts were paid. The theater, for us it would be the cinema, had to leave for want of patronage, no custom. Mules in the coal mines refused to work, being unused to kindness. In five weeks, 20,000 joined the churches. And if memory serves me correct, in, in, in about an 18-month period, over 100,000 people had given their lives to Christ. That's a sovereign move of God. It's a transforming revival. So in my understanding, true revival brings transformation to the society around the churches. It doesn't just impact the church, it impacts the community around us. Let's give you one more. In the year 1835, Titus Cohen landed on the shore belt of Hawaii uh, on his first preaching tour. Multitudes flocked to hear him. They thronged him so that he had scarcely time to eat. Once he preached three times before he could even have breakfast, he felt that God was strangely at work. They so understate it in the old books. All of these people come in, loads of meetings, and I think God is at work. In 1837, the slumbering fires broke out, and nearly the whole population became an audience. He was ministering to 15,000 people. Unable to reach them, they came to him and settled into a two-year camp meeting. And there was not an hour, day or night, when an audience of between two and 6,000 people would not rally to the signal of the bell. I mean, you imagine that. People who are far from God have no interest in Christianity. All of a sudden, you can't keep them away. There's, a, there's an awareness of eternity. There's an awareness of spiritual things. And they're gathering. They want, there's, a, there's a spiritual thirst awakened in people. There was trembling, weeping, sobbing, loud crying for mercy, sometimes too loud for the preacher to be heard. And in hundreds of cases... His hearers fell in a swoon. Some would cry out, the two-edged sword is cutting me to pieces. The wicked scoffer who came to make sport dropped like a dog and cried, God has struck me. Once while he was preaching, the open field with over 2,000 people, a man cried out, what must I do to be saved? And he prayed the sinner's prayer. And the entire congregation took up the cry for mercy. And for over half an hour, Mr. Cohen couldn't even have a chance to speak, but had to stand still and watch God at work. Quarrels were made up. Drunkards reclaimed. Adulterers converted. Murderers revealed and pardoned. Thieves returned stolen property. And the sins of a lifetime were renounced. And in one year, 5,244 people joined the church. And on one given Sunday, 1,705 people were baptized. And the numbers are huge. And Mr. Cohen, left, when he left the island himself, he had received and baptized 11,960 people. This is in two years on, a, on a, what we might call a pagan island. And yet the Lord began to move. So, do you want one more? Do you know that God awakens desire for what he wants to do? 
as we tell stories of what he has done. It's biblical, one generation telling another generation of the goodness of God. And, and I don't think we do it enough. I have a podcast I started just a few months ago. It's just called The Revival Podcast. And my simple desire is, Lord, awaken thirst in your people as they hear stories of what you were doing. In the little town of Adams, across the line, this is in America, in the year 1821, a young lawyer made his way to a secluded spot in the woods to pray. And I love this next sentence. God met him there. He still will if people will set aside time to be with him. He was wondrously converted and soon afterwards filled with the Holy Spirit. The man was Charles G. Finney. The people heard about it, became deeply interested, and as though by common consent, gathered into the meeting house in the evening. Mr. Finney was present. The Spirit of God came on them in mighty convicting power, and a revival started. It then spread to the surrounding country until finally nearly the whole of the eastern states was held in the grip of a mighty awakening. Whenever Mr. Finney preached, the Spirit was poured out. Frequently God went before him so that when he arrived at the place, he found the people already crying out for mercy. Sometimes the conviction of sin was so great and caused such fearful wails of anguish that he had to stop preaching until it subsided. Ministers and church members were converted. Sinners were reclaimed by thousands. And for years, the mighty work of grace went on. Men had never witnessed the like in their lives before. And our desire is, Lord, would you do that again? In an apathetic nation far from you, would you move again? I appreciate all of our efforts. We open up our buildings we love the Lord. We put on our Sunday programs. We have a heart for our neighbors to come to Christ. And I'm like, yes, we should continue to do all of that. We shouldn't stop. But the crying need of the hour is one of these things to happen again. And there is a promise, what God has done in history. And I, I wish I had time to tell you about what God with, did with Hudson Taylor, James Hudson Taylor in, in China. Uh, he went to China in 1854, uh, 1853, something like that. And in 51 years of ministry, planted 205 mission stations throughout China. This is before there were airplanes, before there was the speed of travel, speed of communication, no emails, no telephones that they could quickly ring people with. One man who when he landed into China, nobody knew his name, nobody knew he had come, he had 10 pounds in his pocket and in his journal, and it was in the middle of a civil war in Shanghai. He lands in, in his journal that night as a 22-year-old. He writes in his journal, I've landed in the shores of China with 10 pounds in my pocket and all of the promises of God. And by the end of his life, 205 mission stations throughout China. Could God do that again? He could. That wasn't clever strategy. That wasn't just, oh, that would be nice to do. It wasn't because he had a lot of money behind him. In fact, the mission organization stopped funding him because he broke the rules. He started to wear Chinese clothes. He ate with the Chinese. He dressed like the Chinese. He lived like the Chinese to reach the Chinese. Today, we would think, well, that was good. Back then, they thought that was wrong. You should live like a European 
you know, ship your furniture over, live in your house. And he was like, no, I'm going to reach these people. It wasn't just a great missionary. It was a revival that took place. More than 125,000 converts in his lifetime in China. He called 852 missionaries to the field during his life. That's a move of God. That's a sovereign, powerful move. Or I could tell you about Methodism. Uh, John Wesley really kicked out of the Anglican church, and yet uh, in his lifetime, one man on a horse, at the end of his life, this is earlier than 100 years before Hudson Taylor, so the, the, the fastest he can travel is on a horse. And at the end of his life, 50 years or 60 years of what I would call one of the longest sustained revivals throughout the UK, he had seen more than 70,000 members in the Methodist Church in England, more than 40,000 in the United States, and mission stations in other countries as well. It's, it's staggering. It wasn't just a clever man with an anointing. It was a move of God in the UK that led for that to happen. So, could we see it again? Is there a promise for this in Scripture? Habakkuk 1.5 would say, Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe, even if you were told. I hold on to that promise. Lord, you said what you've done before, you will do again, and you will utterly amaze us. And if you had told us what you were going to do, we wouldn't believe it because it would be so staggering. In a, in a church that is driven by human effort, human programs, he's about to break in with power, and it's going to happen in our day. In chapter 3 of Habakkuk, same, same book, Verse 2, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. And in our time, make them known. And in wrath, remember mercy. It's the cry of the prophet. Lord, we've heard you've moved in revival power. We're asking for you to do it again in our day. Remember mercy. Remember a nation far from you. Do what you said you would do. Here's some prophetic promises from same book, chapter 2, verse 14. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Has that happened yet? No, it hasn't. But the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So you can take that biblical promise, which is really a revival promise, and say, Lord, would you do it? You said it for the earth. We're praying it over Swanley. We're praying it over Kent. We pray this over the UK. Lord, you said that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Would you fill our neighborhoods with the knowledge of God? Would you make spiritual matters very real into every home and every neighborhood? Would you cause people to be concerned about spiritual matters, about eternity? That's what happens in revival. People are suddenly aware of the very thing that they were unaware of before. Or Isaiah 44.3, this was a key verse in the Hebridean revival, uh, 1949 to 1952. Duncan Campbell was the instrument that God used. Two old sisters prayed it in. One was blind, one was deaf. 
and yet they prayed and God moved in power. Read the Hebridee revival stories. They're on the internet. And it was a, I think it was a, 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 a young man called, uh, I think his name was um, uh, Duncan or Malcolm. I can't remember. But he, at the end of one of the meetings, they knew that God was visiting. They could feel something in the air, but it wasn't quite breaking. And he fell on his knees in the aisle. And he began to pray, Lord, you said you would pour water on thirsty land, streams on the dry ground, and that you would pour out your Spirit on our offspring and bless our descendants. Our land is thirsty. We are parched. Would you pour water out on us today? And suddenly, something broke in the atmosphere. And in a very short space of time, it was about 11 o'clock at night, it's in the Hebrides. You imagine the rural, you know, But when they opened the church doors, there were 300 people outside that had been awakened by the Spirit in their farms and cottages and had all made their way to this little church. No advertising. It was the drawing of the Holy Spirit. For me, that is what revival is. It's not a man-made structure. It's not a man-driven program with advertising. It's It's a sovereign move of God where he awakens a community to himself. And it led them into a three-year genuine transforming revival. Let me give you my last scripture. I know my time has gone. Um, Psalm 67 would also be a cry of revival. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us, cause his face to shine upon us. And the reason why? So that your ways may be known on earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you, your, uh, uh, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among nations, sorry. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity. Guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest, and God our God blesses us, and may God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. I could give you many, many more scriptures. These are cries of prophets and psalmists in scripture saying that the earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord, uh, crying out every nation, every tribe, every tongue. And our evangelism programs will not be able to do what we are reading here. We should do those. We should do what we can, but we should be longing for revival. There is a biblical promise of revival, and I don't have time to tell it you today. There's also, I did a bit of study of the last, since 1940s, tracking through some of the prophecies I'm aware of, and realizing there have been significant prophetic words over the last 80 years that there is coming a mighty end-time revival. So there's a historical precedent that God does this, There's a biblical promise that he will do it. And there are recent prophetic words over the last 80 years that we are due another revival. And I would say, not just in the magnitude of a William Booth in the Salvation Army or a John Wesley or a Hudson Taylor, I believe that the Lord is going to do something spectacularly above and beyond because he always saves the best wine to last. I would encourage you to ponder those. I I wish I had another hour to talk to you about some of the prophecies over the last 80 years and how they've gripped my heart 
Um, but let, let's just pray. Uh, Father, these prophetic promises, biblical promises, uh, historical stories, I pray it's just like casting seed. I pray that it would awaken our hearts towards what you want to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Bless you. Hallelujah. I hope you've been blessed. I have been blessed. I was just like, God, 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 do it again. Do it again. And I know he will do it again. Let's invite our friend, Pastor Ben, to come and lead us in a session of prayer. Please come on. Bless you. Thank you. going to strip us back to the bone in this nation. He's going to strip back materialism. He's going to strip back idolatry. Worship. He's going to strip us back, right back to the bone. We haven't seen anything yet. Just hold tight to the word. We've got to be in the word of God. We've got to be pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. So let's close our eyes and rest in his presence. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love the word revival, but Lord, we want the blood of Jesus over this nation. Father, Lord, we place this nation into your hands. And Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I repent, Lord, of anything in my life that is not good, is not right, is not godly in your sight. And this morning, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray that we will hear the roar of the Lion of Judah. But Lord, we pray that you will bring this nation to its knees, that we will repent, Lord. And Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, you will stir us to repentance. You will stir us, Lord, to look dear. God, not at anybody else, Lord, not to look, Father, at our, uh, anybody else, but to look within myself today, Lord, and say, Father, Lord, search me and try me. Strip me back, but Lord, we want that wave. We want the wave of the Holy Ghost. We want the anointing again, Lord. Father, we bring this government before you. Father, we bring every area of business before you, Lord, and Father, our very humanistic ways in which this nation is run and Masonic activity, Father, the spiritual realm of darkness cannot God, God push any further than the word of God. So this morning, Lord, Father, we stand, Lord, in the posture of repentance. And Father, we say, Lord, pour out your glory on this nation. But Lord, as you pour it out, Lord, put me to my knees. And Lord, I say this morning, in the presence of a very real and holy God, there is power in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for the glory of God to descend over this nation. Lord, from the east, the west, the north, the south. Lord, that you will bring us to a place, Lord, where we say, Lord, oh wretched man am I. I can do nothing, Lord. Father, put us in the garden of Gethsemane, Lord. And when, Lord, I come out of the garden of Gethsemane and said, Lord, what is your will for me? What is your will, Lord? In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I pray, Lord, that you will wash us, wash me, every minister, every brother, every sister, every child in the blood, the crimson tide. Lord, wash this nation, Lord, from the crown of it to the very sole of our feet, Lord. Wash us in the the blood of Jesus. Lord, Psalm 63 says, you are my God. You are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and a parched land where there is no water. Father, we are very spiritually thin. Each man is doing what he sees right in his own eyes in the book of Judges. And Lord, we need the king.
king. We need the Lion of Judah, Spirit of the living God. Bring us to a place, Lord, of surrender. Bring us to a place, Lord, of complete surrender where we let go, Lord, of ourselves, of material trappings, of what the heads of state are saying. And Lord, we say, Jesus, Lord, if you don't show up, Lord, I I ain't going to make it. Lord, if you don't show up in my house, I ain't going to make it. Lord, if I'm not washed in the blood of Jesus, Lord, I look to you, I seek thee, I pour out my life to you. And this morning, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come before you and we humble ourselves and we say, Lord, whatever is in me that is not right, search me, strip me back and try me. Lord, put me on the potter's wheel this morning. Lord, I am like clay in your hands and Lord, I need, I am marred, I am scarred and I need all the imperfections pushed out by the master's hands. Spirit of the living God, I pray that you will move by your glory. Lord, I pray that you will bring us to a place where we lift up the greatest name in heaven and earth and at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow on the earth under the earth through the earth every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord spirit of the living God search us this morning spirit of the living God sweep through this nation spirit of the living God we pray that your word will be back in the educational departments your word will be in Westminster your presence will be over this nation Lord that this government will lift up the name of Jesus Lord that we dear God will look to Israel as the clock to the coming of the king spirit of the living God we are lost without you Lord we cannot worship any other foreign gods Lord we cannot be like the Israelites that was in idolatrous worship they was drunk they was doing everything dear God bring us to a place of repentance bring us to a place where we don't lift up pastor brother or sister where we don't lift up the bishop where we don't lift up the denomination Lord we need the king of Israel We need the King, the glorious God that we serve, Spirit of the living God. We pray that you will sweep through this house. We pray that you will sweep through every house. We pray, dear God, that you will sweep through my heart. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we need a Savior. Lord, we need a Savior. Lord, we don't need another preacher. We don't need another teacher. We need the King. Lord, we come to you this morning. And right now, Lord, we humble ourselves. Lord, and we put ourselves in the posture, dear God, of saying, Lord, I wretched man am I. Lord, do not pass us by. Spirit of the living God, Lord, we've heard about revival. And Lord, we need a great awakening. Lord, we need a great stirring. Lord, we cannot do it by ourselves. We need an outpouring of the glory of God. We need the power. We need fresh anointing. Lord, we need a fresh move of the Lion of Judah. Lord, let us hear the roar of the King of glory. Let us hear, dear God, the crimson tide. Lord, like a wave, a tidal wave washing this nation. Lord, wash us in the blood of Jesus. Jesus, forgive us of our iniquities, forgive us of our idolatrous worship, forgive us of adulterous attitude, forgive us, dear God, Lord, of turning away from your word. Lord, we pray, Lord, for the body of Christ. We pray, dear God, for the establishment. Lord, that it will turn from its wicked ways, and Lord, you will heal this land, spirit of the living God. We need the Messiah. We need the King of glory. Lord, we are nothing without thee. Lord, we thank you for the promise, dear God, of revival. We thank you for the promise of the coming king we thank you for the word of God but dear God without you I am nothing Lord search my heart search the heart of this nation Lord where are we looking are we looking to the king or are we looking to the world Lord God I pray that we will not conform to the pattern of this world but dear God in the name of Jesus our minds will be transformed Lord we pray that you will fill us with the glory we pray dear God that we will be on fire for Jesus Lord we pray dear God that as we look at this nation
nation. Lord, we will not follow the ways of the nation, of the systematic process that we're in. But Lord, we will lean in. We will lean into the bosom of Christ. We will lean into the word of God. Father, we will lean into repentance. Lord, we will get into the garden of Gethsemane and say, not my will, not my will, Lord, but what is your will, your purpose, your plan? Father, we say, Lord, let there be an acceleration, dear God, of us coming to you. Because, Lord, we are thirsty. This nation is spiritually thin. Lord, we need the Messiah. We need the great awakening. Lord, we need, dear God, to be on our face, crying out, Father, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. I have lost my way. I have walked away from your word. Lord, you told me you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Spirit of the living God, put this nation, dear God, on our face, on our knees, in the posture of repentance. Lord, let the revival wave come, Lord. Holy Ghost, Holy God that you are. Spirit of the living God, we pray that you will search us. Lord, I pray that you will strip me back to my bone. I pray, Lord, that you will strip everything back of flesh. And Lord, this morning, we need the king. We need the lion of Judah. Let us hear your roar. But Lord, in Psalm 63, Lord, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and a parched land where there is no water. Lord, flood us with your glory. Lord, if you're going to take me, I want to drown in your presence. I want to drown in your presence. Lord, I want to drown in your presence. I want to drown in your glory. Lord, I want to be swept away by that, that, that revival wave. I want to be swept, dear God, away into your glory. But Lord, keep me in the garden. Keep me on the potter's wheel. Because Lord, without you, I am nothing. But with thee, Lord, search me, O Lord. Father, bless us as we press on. But Lord, I pray that this nation will be in the Word of God. In the Word, in the Word. Father, Lord, we've got to be in Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Bless every sister, every brother online this morning. Bless this house. Bless the visitors, Lord. Bless those that are always here. Father, we ask you right now, search me. Search me right back to my DNA. Strip me back of everything. And pour yourself in. Lord, I need Jesus. We need you, Lord. This nation is lost without you. But with you, Lord, we hear the sound. We hear the sound of revival wave, Lord. We hear the sound of Jericho's falling. Lord, I've got to, I've got to get out of this pulpit, Lord. My time is up. But Lord, you don't need me. Because your ways are higher than our ways. Come, Holy Spirit. Bless this nation. Wash us in the blood. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, Father, help us. I know it's time for tea and coffee, time to take a little break. But let me tell you, this meeting is not just about the motion. If there's any motion, it's the motion of the Holy Spirit in our souls. It's not anything mechanical. You know, I just pray. Even as we are take, sipping our tea or taking a rest, going to the loo, whatever it is we're going to do in the next few minutes, do it very quick. Come back here. Let's not just, you know, let's make this moment count. Let's make this moment count. And for those at home watching, I want you to make this time count. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you.
Allow the Holy Spirit to turn your life around. Some of us are giving excuses to God. But today, God wants to do something in your life. And may you receive it in Jesus' name. Father, as we go to have our break now, we pray that your Holy Spirit will rest with us through this period. Refresh us, O God, to come back, Father, for more of you, for more of your anointing, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.